1: I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. I apologize as I'm getting over a little bit of laryngitis, but today I'm really excited to be talking to Dr. Will Draper, also known as Dr. Will. We'll be right back after these messages. Dr. Justine Lee. You know what I love? I love my cat Lola because she is so tolerant of my human kid who's a toddler whenever he tries to pick her up. But you know what I don't love? Cleaning up after Lola's litter box, which is why Arm Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no clouds of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust free, free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm Hammer. More power to you.
0: Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I am so excited to have my fellow colleague and co host of the Nat Geo Wild Animal ER live show, Dr. Will Draper. Dr. Draper, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, great to be here. Thank you so much. I, you should call me your BFF now.
1: <laughs> Seriously. So I know Will because we were both honored as the co-host analyst, the veterinary analyst on Nat Geo Wild's recent show, Animal ER Live. But before we talk about that, I wanted Dr. Will to introduce himself and uh, just give our audience a little bit of information about who you are, where you trained, about your veterinary practice and what you do.
0: Well, I have a group of veterinary practices in the metro Atlanta area that I founded with my wife, who's also a veterinarian, Dr. Francoise Tyler, and they're called the Village Vets. And we started our practices in 2000. So uh, we just celebrated 19 years. There are three practices presently in the metro Atlanta area, one of which is uh, 24-hour general medicine and emergency critical care. I graduated from veterinary school in 1991 from Tuskegee University School of Veterinary Medicine, which is a big part of my history as well, because my mother, is my parents met at Tuskegee as students, my grandparents did, my great-grandmother went there, so I'm a, a fourth generation, and, um, but the only veterinarian in the family. After uh, graduating in 91, I did an internship for a year at a vet practice in Rockville, Maryland called North Rockville Veterinary Center with Dr. Dan Nagola. Who remains one of my uh, mentors to this day. And then I worked for a general practice here in Metro Atlanta for eight years before opening my practice. So I've been fortunate to have opportunities involving veterinary medicine, but outside of the realm of practice, one of which, the most recent one and one of my favorites, working with you, Dr. Justine, on Animal ER Live. I also had previous to that on the same station, Nat Geo Wild. My wife and I had a short-lived series called Love and Vets, which kind of chronicled us as practice owners, parents, and a married couple, which we just celebrated 25 years last September, and also have done some radio. I um, serve as a vet expert with WebMD Magazine and have done some of their veterinary video tutorials and um, service announcements on their WebMD website and I have four beautiful children—a son and three daughters, between ages of twenty-one and fifteen—and uh, three dogs and two cats. And life is good.
1: And I see that you were also named by Atlanta Magazine several years ago as best vet, and recently honored as Atlanta's five-star veterinarian. So, so he's not telling us, but he's an amazing veterinarian, and I'm honored to call him a colleague.
0: But thank you. You know, and what, and I actually was um, honored nationally as veterinarian of the year by Purina Pro Plan. In 2013 so yeah I, uh, I love what I do and it's always nice to be recognized for that so and one of my crowning achievements though is being able to work with you
1: <laughs> great I love it Andy's got a very funny sense of humor so I wanted to talk about our show Nat Geo Wild Animal ER Live, which actually aired for the first time back in the end of March. But what we were seeing when we were getting these satellite feeds from seven different clinics across the United States were a bunch of emergencies that you and I all feel comfortable treating. But I thought it was so important for our dog and cat owning audience to get some takeaways on what they can potentially do to prevent some of these emergencies. Now, one of the most common emergencies that we were actually seeing on Nat Geo Wild was actually the pyometra. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about it, who gets it, what's the treatment for it, and how do owners prevent it?
0: Well, you're right. We've seen quite a bit of that on our show. And pyometra is an infection of the uterus that you see in older, generally older, unspayed female dogs. So... First of all, the prevention is to get your dogs, it's good to get your dog spayed and neutered, but particularly in the case of a pyometra, get your female dogs spayed, the earlier the better, because the longer you wait and the more heat cycles they go through, the more prone they are to have not only problems with uterine infection, but other things like mammary gland cancer, or ovarian cancer, things like that. You know, it's just practicing good pet ownership and getting your pets altered. Even sound, reputable breeders, once their bitches or female dogs are no longer used for breeding, they are pretty diligent about getting them spayed because, you know, a great deal of them will have issues with this pyometra later in life if they are not spayed. So it's important to get that done.
1: And I always say, you know, it's not just a routine spay when your dog comes in for a pyometra. It's very complicated because it's oftentimes the bacteria E. coli, and it can make your dog septic where they have bacteria leaving their bloodstream or entering their bloodstream. And while I always say age isn't a quote disease, there is slightly higher risk when we anesthetize and spay a critically ill dog. So really important, again, great preventative tip. Now, what are some of the signs of pyometra that we need to be aware of?
0: Well, some of the signs of pyometra, before I touch on that, you know, you made a really good point that having this procedure done, repairing a pyometra, which in a sense you're doing, well, it's not in a sense, you're doing an ovarial hysterectomy like you would be when you're spaying them. But like you said, it's a lot more serious because you're dealing with the potential of septic infection throughout the body. In doing the procedure, you have to be very careful. And there are a lot more things to tie off in a lot more different ways because you want to prevent any of that bacteria from actually getting into the abdomen area where the intestines and the kidneys and the liver are so you don't cause what's called a peritonitis. You also, the vessels are bigger and more tumultuous so you have to tie those off. It's a lot more serious and generally will require some hospitalization whereas a routine spay, a lot of times they can go home the same day. But the signs you typically see sometimes mimic other issues Uh, one big one is they tend to drink a lot more water and they urinate a lot and they will have some nausea in older dogs with kidney disease and diabetes and a condition called Cushing's disease so diagnostics are very important to come into play in this you know checking the white blood cell count seeing how high it is ruling out kidney disease liver disease diabetes you know getting an x-ray or doing ultrasound to see the size of the uterus which with a pyometra is many many times larger than a regular uterus not suffering from the infection. so. But some of the big ones are lethargy, drinking a lot of water, urinating a lot, of nausea, and They're different with pyometra. Sometimes they can be open, so you'll see discharge coming from the vulva. But a lot of times it's closed, and you may not see any discharge. So that's something to know too. That just because you don't see discharge doesn't mean that it's not a uterine infection.
1: Absolutely, I agree. So really, really much more obvious when it's an open draining uh, pyometra. That means there's a lot of vaginal discharge, and it really stinks. But the closed ones are really tricky. So as an emergency critical care specialist, whenever I see a sick female intact dog. That's the first thing I think of is a pyometra and definitely do an ultrasound right away. Next emergency that we saw quite a bit on Animal ER Live was what we call BDLD or big dog, little dog. And we ended up seeing so many fights where housemates were attacking each other and we saw a lot of of wounds from it. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about first what a pet owner should do if their dogs are fighting? In other words, how do they break it up? And two, can these be managed at home or when should they take them to the vet? What should they do?
0: Well, you know, really good points. You know, first of all, you gotta be very careful separating these animals because even though they love you and adore you and, you know, make no mistake, they generally love and adore each other. When they're at a point where they're fighting, they're going for blood. And if you try to get in the middle of it, you can very well become a part of the fight and be bitten. So you have to be very careful. And, you know, there are different things you can do. You know, some people will say, If you have access to a hose you know spray them with water or if you have a a spray bottle with water in it use that spraying that will sometimes divert their attention and aggravate them enough that they'll stop fighting some people will take a broom handle and try to put it between them and kind of pry them apart but you have to be very careful in how you do it so that you don't get injured and um you know it's a behavioral thing a lot of the time you know if you have dogs who tend to have food aggression or react differently when different people are around. You have to be aware of the signs. You know, for instance, I have two dogs who love each other, but we can't feed them together. And one of them tends to be uh, very jealous when my son is home. So when he comes home, we put up the other dog for a period of time just to give them a chance to have their greeting and not upset the other dog, because that will start a fight when normally uh, you don't see that. So you have to know your dog know their behaviors. And again, we always come back to this spaying and neutering is important too, because a lot of times it can be hormonal. You'll see when um, female dogs are in heat, sometimes you'll see them getting to fight with their housemates. So if you have a female dog and other male dogs and the female dog goes in the heat, the male dogs may fight, you know, uh, as a territorial thing. So spaying and neutering is important, but also knowing your pet, knowing their behaviors.
1: You. What if an owner notices a fight and there's just one small wound like over the abdomen or over the back? Can they clean it with something? Or should they always go to the veterinarian? How do they know?
0: Well, it's always important to go to the veterinarian because as we know and as we've seen, and particularly as we've seen on our show Animal Are Live, there may be injuries you can't see. There can be internal injuries. You know, their diaphragm can be injured. They may have an injury to muscle under their skin that you can't see. And even sometimes that puncture the chest and cause them to have what's called a flail chest where they lose pressure in the chest. Sometimes you may not be able to see it, but they'll have injuries in their mouth you can't see. Uh, You may see a little bit of blood, but not know where it is. Sometimes they can have an injury to their eye that you may not be able to see. It's always good to have your veterinarian do a thorough exam. So hopefully you can determine and know for sure whether the superficial wounds you're seeing on the outside are the only wounds you have. And then at that point, they can determine whether it's a good idea to just clean it or whether it's something that requires sutures or some kind of surgical intervention.
1: Well, thank you. I always say it's tip of the iceberg. You know, it's really hard. Sometimes there can be a small superficial wound that he described, but sometimes there could be a lot of injury underneath. So when in doubt, get your vet so they can check it out uh, because that's always the Absolutely. safest thing. We'll continue with this really important topic about how you could avoid an emergency room visit for your dog or cat. And we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy?
0: Let's talk pets.
1: Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. radio.com.
1: Pet Radio. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're super excited to be talking to Dr. Will Draper. Of the TV show Nat Geo Wilds Animal ER Live. And we're talking about ways that we can avoid an ER visit in the middle of the night with your dog or cat. So far, we talked about things like spaying your female dog to avoid an expensive pyometra emergency, how to avoid Mm -hmm. a big dog, little dog bite wound. The next emergency that we saw quite a bit was actually marijuana poisoning and all different types of toxicity. So I was wondering if you could talk to us about that.
0: Well, as you know, whenever we saw that on the show, I always pointed at you because you are the board-certified toxicologist. So I left the expertise to you there, but you but know, I
1: didn't know what 420 was, so you might have to explain.
0: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, we did make a joke about that, and um, and I'm glad you brought that up because I thought it was based on a legal statute in the state of California. However. The actual term 420, to touch on lightly, came from a group of high school students back in the 70s who decided as they would cut class and be rebellious, they would always meet by this statue on the school grounds. And it was uh, they'd always meet at 420 in the afternoon. So that's actually where it came from. And now they always celebrate by where they can do so legally, usually we hope, by uh, partaking in that substance on April the 20th. But we saw a lot of that on the show. And, you know, you saw a lot of the similar signs that people have, you know, just kind of being out of it, a little lethargic, being off balance or ataxia, as we call it. You know, I don't think that dogs generally experience increased appetite like people will But there has been some thought that you'll see some of that. But, you know, it's really generally something that has to be um, it's just a matter of time and helping them get through it with supportive care. And it's something we're seeing more often now as marijuana becomes more legal and edibles are becoming a lot more common. So we did get to see our fair share of that on the TV show for sure.
1: So. Is a pet owner going to get in trouble? I know a lot of people are worried. They don't want to bring their dog or rarely cat into the ER vet if they got into pot because they're worried they're going to get in trouble.
0: Well, as I always tell clients, one thing you have to remember is that we are here to treat your pet. We are not the police. So I can't say in in an area where it is illegal. I don't know what happens if they walk outside and somehow the police are there and decide to search their car. That's a whole nother ballgame. But as far as in the walls of the veterinary practice with the veterinarian, That is not a concern. So we are not going to report anybody. We are not going to dime you out, as they say. We need the information from you and appreciate owners being honest and straightforward so we can best treat their pet and get them home safely. That is our concern. The legal side is no concern of ours.
1: I agree. I always tell people, you're not going to get in trouble, like Dr. Will said. And the sooner you tell us, the sooner we can figure out what's going on and the less dangerous the poison is going to be because we'll have time to be able to identify it right away and treat it right away. And that's with any poisoning, regardless if it's illicit versus something in the household. You never want to wait for your dog or cat to show clinical signs. You always want them to be brought in immediately because then we could, quote, pump the stomach or induce vomiting and give charcoal right away. It's way more expensive and requires more intensive care. And it's more dangerous to your dog and cat if you bring them in two to three days later, once already clinically affected by the poison. So when in doubt, call the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center right away, call your vet, your ER vet, but get to the vet right away with any kind of poisoning. Now, Dr. Draper, the last emergency I wanted to talk about that we saw quite a bit was a hit by car patient. Now we saw a German Shepherd that was hit by a car on, on Animal ER Live. And was just wondering if you could tell us how owners could prevent that when we see more hit by car trauma cases and what are some of the dangers or injuries that we end up seeing?
0: A great question. And again, we always seem to get back to this, but spaying and neutering is very important because male dogs will try to escape a lot of times if they're intact and there's a female dog in heat around, they can sense that more so than we can. So having your animals altered is important, but also making sure that they are secure, making sure that if you have a dog that stays outside that he or she are in a yard where they cannot get out because they are like kids. They can be inquisitive. And when they're bored, even though they may not necessarily dislike the yard they're in, go out and explore and find um, adventures. So they will try to get out and ultimately end up in the street in in front of a car. It's also important to leash walk your dog when you take them for a walk instead of just letting them walk alongside you, because while they normally will, they may do that 99% of the time, you know, they are very inquisitive and they may be distracted by another dog across the street or a child across the street. And they'll just want to go over and play. And hopefully if the timing is wrong, they'll get hit by a car. And the things that we see are broken limbs. You know, you can have a broken back, which can end up with some sort of paralysis, you know, injuries to the chest and lungs, fractures to... Limbs, ribs, skulls, you name it, broken jaws. And of course, the worst case scenario is death. So anything you can think of with a very um, strong blow or a, a crushing injury, you'll see with a hit by a car or sometimes being run over by a car.
1: Exactly. There's so many easy ways of preventing this devastating hit by car. And again, it's very, very common. I see a hit by car almost every day in the ER, but lung tears, lung bruises, head trauma, hernias emergency abdomen surgery for ruptured bladders or ruptured gallbladders, fractures. And you know, it's, it's hard because a lot of these things are fixable, but a fracture repair could be three to $5,000. And that's not even including the initial stabilization. And I think it's unique in that even as we air this animal ER live, so many of the emergencies could have been prevented. And that's our goal as veterinarians. We're trying to educate pet owners to be the best advocates for their pets, because we want them to stay safe. And we also want to make sure they're minimizing any kind of injury to themselves. And again, it could be something as simple as spaying and neutering because male intact dogs are looking for intact females. So they're roaming around the roads, getting hit during the spring and summer. Wow. You know, dogs are outside more. So again, really important that we be aware of all the ways that we can prevent some of these trauma cases or accidents from happening in the ER. Dr. Will, any last tips you want to leave us with?
0: You know, another thing that's important, a lot of emergencies occur when animals just don't have regular checkups and aren't getting proper care. And there are things like diabetes, as we said, pyometra, uh, kidney disease, where with routine checkups and routine lab work, some of those things can be caught early and managed before they become an emergency. You know, the list is as long as time. So. It's always important to have your animals checked at least once a year when they're younger and after they're seniors, which is usually seven, eight years of age, depending on um, breed and and, um, what have you, uh, sometimes twice a year, even three times a year. So follow your veterinarian's recommendations and practice proper animal care and love your pets and uh, you'll get to love them longer with a whole lot less emergency business.
1: Dr. Will, thank you so much. That's some fantastic information and really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today.
0: Well, thank you. Anything for you. Thank you, my friend. Much love to you.
1: Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. You can find Dr. Will Draper on Facebook at Love and Vets and also on Facebook, The Village Vets. And you can also find me at DrJustineLee.com on Facebook at DrJustineLee. And email me any of your pet questions at DrJustine at PetLifeRadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank our guests, Dr. Will Draper and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.